Welcome to Finding the Faith with me, your host, Frida Donnelly, where we explore what matters. Whether it's traversing someone's faith journey, diving deeper into doctrine, or simply enjoying Christian fellowship, I aim to focus on the good and the beautiful to provide you with some respite from the world. If you'd like to join us live, check out Finding the Faith on Rumble every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. All the links are in the show notes down below. Please remember to rate and subscribe, and I'll see you on the other side. Hello, dear ones, and thank you so much for tuning in to Finding the Faith. Every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm here to chat with you about individuals, their faith journeys, and what we can do to find the good and the beautiful and the edifying things in life. I am so, so excited to have my new friend, Joey, join us for this evening. But before that, I just wanted to get to a couple few housekeeping matters beforehand. So the first thing is that um, we are almost at 100 subscribers, which is so amazing because that means that I could get to connect with more and more amazing people who become a very valuable part of this community and get to do super fun things with. Like this past Sunday, we were able to have an It's a Wonderful Life movie night prize and pray, which that idea had been in the works for a little bit, but we hadn't exactly landed on when the perfect time would be to do it. And that's why when Jess was like, hey, you should do that on the... um are you going to do that today? I was like, oh yeah, that like everything's fell together perfectly and it was so wonderful. So if you came out for that, thank you so, so much because I very much enjoyed, you know, praising Jesus with you and watching an important movie and talking about what that means for us today. Um, so please make sure that you hit that subscribe button, you hit that like button, and if you could leave a nice comment for me, it means a lot. And a lot of the feedback we've been getting has been really wonderful and edifying for me too, because I don't just, you know, do my best to speak into your lives and bring you encouragement, but you also really encourage me as well. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for the prayers about my infusion yesterday. It ended up going well, but I still am a little bit tired today. So thank you everybody for all that you do and for being a valuable part of this community. I'd like to say hey to Bad Quality Memes, Whiskey Biz, and Nanacy in the chat. And let's bring Joey on and learn about Seventh Day Adventism together. Hey, Joey, how are you doing? Doing good. Better than I deserve. That is such a beautiful attitude that you have. Um, <laughs> you, like, always say that, but it, like, it, it's one my of the things that like, lives in my mind rent-free, honestly. So tell me, what are your first memories about religion? Um, so I grew up, I grew up in the church. Um, like I, like I said, my parents had me dedicated as a baby. Um, Sabbath school every Sabbath morning in church. Um, so it, within Adventism, we have a youth group called Pathfinders. When I was mm-hmm. old enough, for, so I did Adventures first, then Pathfinders. Um, but yeah, no, it was just. I would say most of my life, I always believed in God so it was kind of mm-hmm. like on the background but like when I started getting into my later teens and like my mid-teens is when I started like actually thinking about okay now what do I want to do with this in my life and uh yeah so that uh, that answers the question okay I I've heard of Pathfinders a little bit but I'd love to know more about what that looks like so think Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts of America mm-hmm. but not woke 
and with okay. with Christian relig- like explicitly Christian religious um, curriculum and honors and whatnot. But it's very much like it. Like we have uniforms, we do mm-hmm. meetings, we do um, march and drill. We have to learn how to march. We uh, work on honors. That's kind of our version of the merit badge. Oh, okay. Um, we go on camping trips. Nice. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Now, how has your understanding of God evolved throughout your journey with Seventh-day Adventism, and what pivotal moments have contributed to that for you? Um, Honestly, I would say the biggest change was actually take, like, taking like religion not being like not just something that I do because my parents raised me on it, mm-hmm. but actually like what difference should this have in the way I live my life? And like the way I orient my future plans, right? Like when I, when I started thinking along those lines, Mm -hmm. that's when it actually started to really mean something. I want to say that the formative stuff was like, I think like, I'm glad that I had that, right? Mm Because it created, I didn't, like when I started wondering, I didn't have to start from scratch because of what my parents did. But no, I think that was the biggest shift for me. I can definitely see that. I feel like there's two like different journeys to God. There's learning about the world around you in your like very formative years and what that looks like and having, you know, God speak into that and breathe into that, depending on like which denomination that you're a part of and everything. And then there's very much the, okay, now this is something I'm choosing to do of like my own volition. And speaking of that, how old are you when you accepted Jesus Christ? And what did that look like for you? So... I was, when I first publicly um, decided to accept Christ, I was 12. I was baptized at 12. Um, And then when I was around 15, so when I was, I'm trying to, okay, I'm trying to think. So when I was uh, 13, I got the opportunity to go on a mission trip with Pathfinders to Dominican Republic. And that, that kind of got me, it was just a two week trip, but that kind of got me starting to think about what it would look like to actually live for God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then couple fast forward a couple years later, started going to Mexico. And I, I ended up going, doing that trip for, well, from the time I was 15 to when I was 20. But wow. it, was, it was doing those trips, those Christmas trips, um, just seeing, seeing people who would sacrifice everything, right? Mm-hmm. Just to have a church building, right? Yeah. Like, like I, like, and the church buildings that we would build them, like from our standards, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're just it's just brick, right, and mud yeah. and a roof. And yet this was something they would sacrifice like years wages, right? To yeah. build a you know, blood, sweat, and tears to build a afford a church. And when I saw that, I was like, I don't even take right, I don't even take getting up in the morning for like coffee like as seriously as these people take their faith and I'm like something needs to change right like I need to change and I think in America it's easy to because we've had it so good as Christians Mm -hmm. that we can just kind of like take it for granted like oh yeah the church is always going to be there faith is always going to be there but seeing it from that perspective of people who don't have anything else and yet like they're willing to sacrifice everything for it that it truly is such a beautiful thing to see. I mean, we drive by so many churches just on our way to get a coffee in this country. And sure, not all of them are like the same denomination and not all of them, you know, teach like the right thing. I don't even mean like 
you know, like, I don't even mean that, like, some of them, you know, are different denominations. I just mean that, like, some of them are just, like, wilding out there that are doing something very not biblical within the church themselves. But just to be able to grasp onto that and to grasp on to a relationship with Jesus is one of the most amazing gifts. Absolutely. Now, can you share a... Sorry, I have two screens for those of you in chat who don't know. So I'm trying to like produce everything myself right now. So bear with me. Give me a second. I just wanted to pull chat up and make sure that we had it. Okay, there we go. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) So can you share a moment or experience in your life when your faith in Seventh-day Adventism significantly impacted or guided your decision-making process? Trying to think. Um, Yeah, so actually somewhat recently so after high school i went to an adventist boarding academy um and then i I graduated in 2015 and then i kind of took time off i spent some time in the mission field and i was just working um but when i recently decided to go back to school um there was a couple of different universities that i was trying i was thinking about going to Mm -hmm. and um i i just was I, i kind of so I was praying about it. I was like, God, right? I could be a witness, right? If I go to the state school, it's really good. Um, but I just felt the impression, right? It's like, and it was actually listening to something for anyone who knows me, uh, they'll they'll laugh. But it was listening to something Clavin said, where mm-hmm. he said something about we have to. Um, he, he was saying something in the show. He's like, we have to like fight for the institutions that we care about, mm-hmm. and this is something that's happening across denominations, right? There's, yeah. there's a, a woke fringe, right? Particularly around Absolutely. the, uni- around the universities, right? Oh, um, and, sure. and Adventism sadly is not, uh, we're not exempted from that. And so as a conservative Adventist, I'm often upset with our mm-hmm. university system. Um, but I felt like I just, I felt, um, I felt impressed that like, no, I, I owe something to, my church, right? The church mm-hmm. that built me. And so I decided to go and I said, I'm like, I'm going to advocate for, you know, what I believe is right here mm-hmm. um, in inside, kind of inside my own home, right? Inside my own institution. Yeah. Helping get your house in order. Yeah. I can see that. Before we move on to the next question, I'd like to welcome in PT and Jess. Thank you guys for being here. It's so lovely to see you in chat. And if you are watching, but you're not chatting, please say hi. I'm so happy you're here. You're so loved. (laughs) Now, there's a couple, like, this one's a little bit of a spicier question, but have you been told before that Seventh-day Adventists are a cult? And where do you think that attitude comes from? (laughs) So I, I have been told that. And um, if you Google Seventh-day Adventism, you can find a lot of websites uh, dedicated to that proposition. Um, I think I think mostly where it comes from, right? So denominationally wise, we're relatively new. Um, now, I, and I think part of the cult thing comes mm-hmm. from some misconceptions about what we believe, right? Mm-hmm. So actually just recently, I was getting in a debate with somebody and he was telling me um, that Adventists, right, that we believe that... Um, well, because he was kind of listing it among some other denominations, right, that do believe this, that mm-hmm. came around his time, that the truth was the true, the true church, right, true Christianity was lost for several centuries, and only us um, now have it. And that's not what Adventists believe. Um, mm-hmm. We don't believe we're the only true Christians. Um, 
And so I think there are some misconceptions. And then the other thing was there's some misconceptions with the role of Ellen White. Um, and some people think like, oh, you believe you guys take what Ellen White says over the Bible. But actually, like, uh, our, we don't. And we actually, she even says multiple times in her writings, she's like, mm -hmm. if I diverge from scripture, you're to take scripture over me. So I think there's some misconceptions that mm -hmm. feed into that. So for those of us who are in the know, I know that, you know, you're not a theologian and you're not not expected to be to be on the show. We are very grateful to have you. And I mean, we talked before the show, you're already miles ahead of where I am because I haven't, you know, heard too much. Like I have some friends like you who are Seventh-day Adventists. Like I know I'm pretty sure Anna is and I think Matt is and stuff like that, but I don't know a whole ton about it. So your explanations are always going to be like, you know, <laughs> but um, who is Ellen White? And how does she play into everything? And when you also, back before that, though, I did want to ask, do you happen to know when it when Seventh-day Adventism was founded? Because you mentioned it was a newer denomination. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go with that question first, and then I'll get yeah. to that. So <laughs> uh, in, in the U.S., right, you might have heard of the Millerite movement um, with William Miller. Okay, so, nope. in, up, no, so in upstate New York, um, there's something called the Burned-Over District, and mm -hmm. it was, there was a religious revival, right, around the time of the Second Great Awakening. And a lot of it happened in New York. Actually, several other denominations also around there. There was a lot of, some of it was fanaticism. There was a lot mm -hmm. of religious stuff that happened in that area. Well, mm -hmm. one of the I people, know Jehovah's Witnesses did and stuff yeah. as one of the other denominations. Which one? Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think they had some ties to the Millerite movement as well, if I remember. But, um... So William Miller was a Baptist preacher, but he had been uh, an, a deist for most of his life. Mm -hmm. um, and then he was in the War of 1812. He ended up, um, was in a battle, right, where the tide turned miraculously. Mm -hmm. And that's when he started to believe. Um, but he was, a, he was a farmer and then mm -hmm. like an itinerant like Baptist um, preacher. Okay. Well, well, he ends up studying the prophecies of Daniel Mm -hmm. And he comes to the conclusion that Jesus is coming soon. Mm -hmm. And he makes a, he makes a cardinal mistake, right? Where he, he sets a date, right? So he's studying, the, yep. he's, he's studying the, yeah, and we're, we're very much explicitly told not to do that. Yes. Um, but he, but I do believe he was, he was a godly man, but he studied these prophecies and mm -hmm. he studied the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. And he came to the conclusion that the time of the end was coming and he began preaching the imminent return of Jesus, right? And this mm -hmm. was a broad, like, there's no Adventism at this point. He was never an Adventist. Okay. But he was preaching this, and this movement actually got fairly big. Like, there was millions mm -hmm. of people all around the world from all different denominations who were accepting this Millerite message of the soon coming of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, well, <laughs> needless to say, Jesus didn't come. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, we're here. Um, but out of kind of there's so something called October 22 1844 that was when they predicted that Jesus was going to come okay. and so and people like the Millerites like they were sold out on this idea like they mm -hmm. they truly believed Jesus was going to come they were having prayer meetings repenting of their sins confessing mm -hmm. things to each other they were selling all their stuff right mm -hmm. they're making some imprudent decisions yeah. and October 22 comes and they're waiting right they've sold their stuff they've mm -hmm. sold their farms they're waiting for Christ to come. 
and he doesn't come, right? Needless to yeah. say, October 23. So October 22 was the day of their greatest um, hope and anticipation. Mm -hmm. October 23, we, we call October 22 the uh, great disappointment. Um, mm -hmm. But really, October 23 was the great disappointment, right? Because yeah. Jesus hadn't come. But out of that, most of the people who had accepted the Reliant message ended up either drifting the other back into their other denominations or mm -hmm. just falling away from the faith altogether. But there was a group of people who like, felt like we, oh, we had studied the prophecies. The prophecies did seem to predict that Jesus was coming soon. Was like, so what did we get wrong? And so they went mm -hmm. back to scripture. And ultimately, out of that group, mm -hmm. Adventists would eventually form um, and the denomination officially became a thing in, I believe it was 1863. Oh, okay. That's fascinating. Thank you for diving into that and like explaining it on a deeper level for, you know, those of us who aren't in the know. I do appreciate that. No problem. Now, how does Ellen White play into this? Because she was one of the things that you had meant. She was one of the people that you had mentioned. She's not a thing. <laughs> I don't want to be disrespectful. <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> um but how does she buy into this and is she like yeah yeah well, i'll have you tell me <laughs> yeah so this well this is one like i'm and i'm glad you're asking me because this is one of the most common kind of controversial points but mm -hmm. no so she was a she was one of the founders of the church her and her husband james um and she was a christian writer who wrote about many different topics of christian living um mm -hmm. and we she is someone who and we can maybe get into this a little bit, but we do believe as a church, we do believe that she had the gift of prophecy. Mm -hmm. Um, and we would base that on texts, um, like in Joel, right, where it says that in the last days, your young men will have dreams and your old men will have visions. And so mm -hmm. we believe that the gifts of the spirit continue on, but mm -hmm. and then and this would be to the point where some people think, like, oh, this is bridging and cult territory. But the, the, the tests of the spirit are very clearly laid out in scripture, right? Isaiah mm -hmm. 8, 20 says, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, is because there is no light in them. And so that, mm -hmm. and, and Ellen White herself would say, I am a lesser light, right? Like the yeah. scriptures, and so we, you know, we're a Protestant denomination. We mm -hmm. claim to solely, sola scriptura, right? So only the Bible is the ultimate rule of faith, right? So anything that anyone says is tested by the light of scripture, right? In the Bible. And mm -hmm. Ellen White is not in the Bible. She's not canonized. We don't believe that she should be mm -hmm. or anything. But that is one of the things where sometimes people get misunderstand what her role is in the church. Okay, I can see that. Now, with it being founded by a woman, you know, mostly, do you, do Seventh-day Adventists have female pastors? Or I don't know what you call your people, but... <laughs> so... <laughs> We, so we, we do very highly prize the role of women, right, in the mm -hmm. church, right? And we see in scripture, right, women were right next to Christ, right? Women mm -hmm. were, um, now I, as a denomination, we do not ordain women. Um, Ellen White actually, because this was kind of an open debate at the, mm -hmm. at the founding of our church, right, should we? And some people wanted to ordain her, and she's like, no, I'm not going to be ordained. Um, so we don't now. Like, and again, and this is why I brought up the, the wokeness thing too. Mm -hmm. A lot of the problems that are happening in the American church happening to um, Adventism too. So we mm -hmm. do have, there is a segment of more liberal Adventists who are pushing 
for women's ordination and our general conference, like we came together where we study and we pray and mm-hmm. we make decisions that are supposedly supposed to be binding on the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and we made the decision in 2015 was the last, I mean, we've made this decision multiple times, but that mm-hmm. was the last time when we had that as a vote. Mm-hmm. And we decided not to, right? Because we take the writings of Paul to say that there's a difference in the roles of men and women. Absolutely. But some of our liberal conferences, like you will find Adventist pastors that are women because mm-hmm. There are some conferences that have decided they want to try to do their own thing. Yeah, I can see that. I can see how that goes because I'm sort of, we're looking into which church to go to. And at first it was like, well, what about like a non-denominational church? Because we're, you know, we're Protestant, but not specifically like any one denomination right now as we're both learning and growing in the faith. When I say us, I mean like myself and my husband, my husband obviously taking the lead. And we got into it and we we're like, oh, okay. The one right here in our house that's like practically like spitting distance is <clears throat> not the kind that we're looking for. They were like, oh, this is our ladies pastors. This is our man pastor. This is our this. Here's the blog that we have. And, and I'm lo- like, oh my God. As long as they don't have a they them pastor. <laughs> I didn't see that, but I saw some like other red flags and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to not. I've, I've seen that on TikTok a few times. <laughs> yeah, I have too, unfortunately. So it looks like the like we're like working on, you know, weeding out which ones in our area because we're New Englanders. So I'll let you, you know, do with that what you will. But very blue, very <laughs> not the greatest but so we're looking for a church right now but it looks like we're going to be going into like a baptist kind of one to like make our first steps into church nice but yeah so i always love my baptist friends one of my best friends is a baptist and she's actually in chat tonight <laughs> hey jess um, but speaking of like canonizing people in your religion, do Seventh-day Adventists have saints or a particular reverence for specific individuals? And what does that process look like? So the the short answer is no, we don't. Um we so and and maybe and if we want to get into this, we can. Um I think it goes to kind of what we believe about the state of the dead. Mm-hmm. Um but no, so we don't we don't canonize people, we don't have saints. Um I mean, ultimately, we believe, right, that we're we're all yeah. in the process of becoming saints. But as far as like, like in you know, like the Catholic or more Orthodox churches, mm-hmm. um, we don't have anything like that. No. Okay. I was just curious, um, but yeah, thank you. No problem. Because <laughs> I know that like there's like this huge umbrella of Christianity, and then there's like the denominations, and then the denominations have almost like their own like special flavors depending on where they're from. And, Many yeah. different flavors. Yes, trying to figure it all out. And I appreciate you, you know, coming on and helping me understand yours better. Um, Now, I'm sure you get this one all the time, but can you explain the significance of observing the Sabbath on Saturday? And how is the Sabbath observed in your faith? Yeah, so we we just so ultimately we just believe that the sabbath was never changed right so obviously it's not controversial to say that the sabbath was on saturday right because the jews they still keep saturday to this mm-hmm. day um the we did we just don't believe that the so it, it kind of goes into like there's three there's various stages of the law right there's the moral mm-hmm. law the ten commandments 
ceremonial law, which is like the sacrificial system Mm -hmm. and like the health laws. And obviously in Christ, the ceremony, like the ceremonial laws, they pointed to Christ Mm -hmm. and those that when he died on the cross, that's done away with. But we like, we just, we believe that the Sabbath commandment from the, from the 10 commandments was Mm -hmm. as an honor of creation um, is still in effect. So that's why, um, as to what the Sabbath looks like. um, Mm -hmm. So as far as like our, like, so generally speaking, wake up in the morning, we have Sabbath school, uh, we have church. So it would look, it would look a lot like your typical Christian Protestant church service just on a Saturday. Um, uh, So we generally believe it starts sundown Friday and it ends sundown Mm -hmm. uh, Saturday. And um, there's different degrees, but like generally speaking, we try to keep our focus on spiritual things. Mm -hmm. We're not like, as far as like the beliefs, like we, we don't say like, Oh, you have to do this. You have to do that. It just, we try to honor the Sabbath by keeping our minds focused on God, having fellowship with friends, family, other believers. Um, Yeah. That's beautiful. So there's not like an electricity thing or you have to stop working like at a certain time on Friday to make sure certain things like it is in Judaism. Cause I've worked for um, a couple wonderful Jewish families and I know that they're much more. And with that commonality, I was just curious about that aspect as well. Yeah. So we generally, we don't do like no electricity. We don't do that. Um, mm-hmm. But we do. So like if we have household chore, like we, if we have like, you know, household chores that need to be done or finishing up at work. Like we, we, we refrain from working on the Sabbath mm-hmm. and we try to get like, you know, if there's like, like I know growing up, my, my mom would, she, if she's going to have a casserole, she'd get all the ingredients mixed together, mm-hmm. get it in the fridge. So then on Sabbath, all she has to do is just throw it in the oven, turn it on. And like, so we try to limit the workload so that we can focus on, on, the Sabbath and honoring God and being grateful for creation. That's beautiful. That's really important because in this fast paced world, we don't have a lot of time to like focus on, you know, the important things. And that's really wonderful that your religion, you know, sets aside that purposeful time to do that and to have that, you know, rest in that thoughtful like meditation and, you know, focusing on the really important things. Yeah, no, I, I, it's for me, it's like God he mm-hmm. knew what the problems of humanity were going to be. He knew that we were going to have the drive to just work and consume and all mm-hmm. this. And it's like, he's like, like, no, I'm, I'm setting this chunk of time, this 24 hour chunk of time. I'm sanctifying it. I'm making it holy as like a daytime mm-hmm. for me to, to, to commune with you. And it just, it's always been, that's always been one of the highlights of my week, even when mm-hmm. I was a kid and wasn't always the best, <laughs> but it was always <laughs> a time where I was like, I felt, I could just relax and realize mm-hmm. that I'm loved, right? I'm, yeah. That's wonderful. I think it's so important to sometimes just be still and know. 100%. Now, can you describe what a typical worship service or a gathering would look like within Seventh-day Adventism? So like uh, like the church service? Yeah. Um. So um it's i mean it's like like our general church services it again it varies like Mm -hmm. like all churches right so we like the church i grew up on was a very conservative rural church so Mm -hmm. if you show up on sabbath morning it would be it would be very familiar to your typical baptist or other now i will say other low church protestant Mm -hmm. um 
churches, right? So we have show up at, you know, generally. What, no- I don't want to interrupt you. I oh, just no. want to make oh, sure okay. that I'm understanding things. What's a low church Protestant? Oh, so low church would be, we don't like, we're not like super liturgical, right? So like mm-hmm. uh, high church is generally like, um, Epi- um, I think Episcopalians, um, high church Anglicans, Catholic, Roman Catholics, definitely. Oh, okay. So like a more intense, like orthodoxy versus the less. Yeah. Well, not, not even, I want to say more to orthodoxy. Cause like we definitely, you know, mm-hmm. believe in the Bible and Genevieve stick to that. But as far as like, we don't have like a repeated liturgy, right. That we say mm-hmm. every time. And we don't um, like have the, like, we don't have a priest like walking in and it's definitely, it's more like a, like Baptists or, I mean, non-denominational would be, they're basically Baptist too in America, okay. but like, let's the kind of that low church, right? It's very focused on the individual studying the word. Um, and like, so the Bible and the, the sermon and the, the Bible study is the center of our worship. Okay. Thank you. That makes sense. I just, I hadn't heard that before. So I was like, I just wanted to make sure I got you before you continued on. <laughs> so what, okay. What was I answering? I was saying something. So you were saying about what the church service looks like, even though, you know, it's, it can be, it can vary from congregation to congregation and, you know, region to region, but you were sharing what you really appreciated about what that looks like for you in your congregation that you grew up in. Yeah. So I would say from, with most Adventist churches, most Advent, well, so, so we're, so we're a global denomination, right? So most (laughs) Adventists around the world are fairly conservative and like, like Orthodox Christian belief. And so generally those churches, it would look, you know, hymns generally will be sung. Um, and then we'll, you know, we'll go through a line. We'll have a certain, you know, the pastor will preach a sermon from the word. Mm-hmm. And it's generally speaking, like the church I grew up on, the men usually wore a suit. Women usually wore a dress, like very traditional along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously uh, we have like, like the, so I'm five minutes away from my university right now. Mm-hmm. And one of the church, one of the churches that meets here is called one place. And uh, the pastor gets up in skinny jeans and it's like, you know, typical, but that's not typical. That's very much university thing. Okay. That makes sense. I can see how that would now with, you know, us being in the season of Advent, does that hold any special meaning to Adventists? Um, so, and this goes back to what I was saying about liturgy. Mm-hmm. So, like myself, personally, I mm-hmm. do like thinking about the liturgical candle calendar, but um, we don't, and, and this goes to, as far as our denominational beliefs are, mm-hmm. it, it, we have an overabundance of a concern that we don't want to add anything to scripture, like mm-hmm. as a requirement of salvation, right? So we don't, as a church, we don't follow the liturgical calendar, we don't mm-hmm. do those things. Now, personally, like I, you know, I like I like thinking about it. I think it's a good chance to think about Christ mm-hmm. and to think of his, you know, his coming. Um, but I, I think the major reason why we don't have it as a denominational belief is because back to right, like we want to make sure that the, we don't want we want to make sure people are abundantly clear that your works don't save you, right? So if yeah. you do any of those things, right, as an Adventist, it would be very much it's something that you're doing out of a desire to have a deeper relationship or whatever, but it's not like a prescribed thing. If that makes sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense. And I can definitely see the beauty in that and how, you know, it is a gift freely given, you know, 
like his blood washes over us and that salvation covers us um as long as you know we accept it and everything and we can't do anything at any time to earn that because it is such an amazing huge gift that yeah i can see where that how that makes sense and um whiskey in the chat says i pers i purposefully won't answer my work phone on sunday because that's the lord's day <laughs> yeah absolutely and like that that's the other thing um because sometimes there's people who will say like oh adventists they're against it like no like i i'm for everyone following the lord and what he has impressed them to do i mm -hmm. i've just been impressed you know that adventism is where i see mm -hmm. from my study most aligning but like no i when i see like, um, even though I don't, you know, believe Sunday's holy, mm -hmm. when I see a, a Christian who really keeps Sunday, because like mm -hmm. one thing that one thing that does kind of bother me is like in America, sometimes American Christians, mm -hmm. even ones that keep Sunday, they don't really keep Sunday. And it's like, well, I, I don't know how I feel about that. But when I see yeah. another Christian who really keeps it or like um, Chick-fil-A, the fact that they won't be open on Sunday, I think that's mm -hmm. noble because they're following yeah. their conviction of what's true. And they're really doing it with gusto. And I respect that. I do as well. It's And one of the things I really respect about you is that even though, you know, you have certain things figured out for yourself and what that looks like in your life and what that looks like with your relationship with the Lord, you also aren't, you know, you're an incredibly respectful individual who's always willing to, you know, help your mutuals and your friends and to make sure that you're not looking down on them because of the fact that you have a difference with them and you're always building those bridges. And that's something I really appreciate about you, Joey. Just, it's by, just by the grace of God. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a messed up guy. So <laughs> anything good in me, anything good in me is, is the grace of Christ. See, and that's just another one of the reasons to love you. Now, what are some key milestones in your walk with the Lord? Ooh, um, so I would, even though I really got deeper later, I would say my baptism mm -hmm. at 12, because that's when I really started to like, especially in preparing for baptism with the pastor at the time, mm -hmm. that's when I started to take religious things more seriously. Um, but no, probably getting to um, experience um, third world countries in the mission field mm -hmm. and just seeing, like I said earlier, just the level of faith, that was a major milestone um, yeah, those were the, those are the main ones, but particularly time in the mission field. Um, so I was, so I got the opportunity when I was, well, just after I got out of high school. So the end of 2015, um, I went to three months to Belize to a mission school mm -hmm. where they trained like future missionaries. And when I was there, um, I saw there's a guy, he's still one of my mentors. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll just shout out his name. <laughs> if he gets mad at me, he gets mad at me. But Jeff Sutton, um, who he was one of the most dedicated um, Christian people I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And like something that he told me, right? So he's, you know, he's a middle-aged guy, right? He doesn't have a real job. No, he works his, he works his tail off yeah. and he works very hard, but he's in the mission. So he doesn't get paid, mm -hmm. right? He lives off the donations. And he said, like, one thing he said to me is that sometimes people will say like, oh, don't you feel like you have to go out there and provide for your family? And he's like, listen, he's like, I absolutely feel like I'm responsible for providing for my family. He's like, when I made the decision on a mission field, I told God, he's like, as long as you want me to do this, my family has to have a roof over their head 
and food to eat. And he's like, as long as that's happening, I'll take it as a sign from you that I'm supposed to be here doing what I'm doing. And I'm like, the level of faith that I saw in that guy, yeah. I was like, I'm like, man, I want that. And to your question about saints earlier, mm -hmm. right? Well, we don't have like a special process of canonizing saints. Mm -hmm. It's like that, that kind of godly Christian character, mm -hmm. that is, I think, what all of us can become, right? Yeah. In other words, we can all grow in, to become Christ. And so that was a major, getting to know him was a major uh, religious milestone for me. He sounds like a really incredible servant of the Lord. That's really, really wonderful. Sorry, I like wrote down so many questions. I'm like, where to next? <laughs> um, can you share an experience where your faith was tested and how did your relationship got with God help you navigate through that? Um, trying to think of a, a good specific example. Um, I don't know. I think like like most people i don't know I'm not, maybe i'm presuming too much to say most people but like a lot of people mm -hmm. right reconciling right um what we believe right about like what we believe scripture teaches with what the world seems to be saying and like there was a period in my life where the world seemed mm -hmm. like it had a point right right evolution seemed plausible right mm -hmm. all these things um but i think for me what really definitively i mean i think christ like he's made himself present to me he's let me feel his peace and so that's ultimately what did it but like mm -hmm. what sealed the door for me too is like the world is just wrong right like even mm -hmm. when it's right it's wrong right like people are miserable i'm like like if you just look at all the things that people are suffering by and then mm -hmm. you look at oh wait what does the bible say about this right what is yeah. right? what have Christians been saying for decades and it's all come true. It's like, okay. And so that was kind of, but yeah, just wrestling with how do I reconcile the world with God, right? How do I mm -hmm. science? And I'm like, okay, like God's been right about everything. And like yeah. faithful Christians that have predicted, you know, whatever it is, it's mm -hmm. all come to pass. Right. And so I'm like, okay, I think Christianity is reliable. Yeah. Um, I think it was, don't judge me chat, but cause I can't remember where exactly this is in the Bible, but I know there's a scripture that goes in all of your ways, take notice of him and he himself looks at your path straight. Mm. And that's the one that just like brought to mind with you saying that because there's so many ways to misstep. <laughs> there's so many ways to misunderstand, you know, important things in this life, in this world and that's why it's so important to, you know, lean on God because he has all the answers. He created us. He knows the problems. He knows the answers. Absolutely. And I wanted um, to mention the praise that in chat that Nancy said, um, God promised me many years ago that he would always take care of my husband, our daughters, and any other future family members. He has always, always come through for us. Amen. Praise Jesus. Now, in what ways does being part of the Seventh-day Adventist community inspire you to serve others? And how does serving others contribute to your spiritual fulfillment? Yeah, so, okay. Um, well, so one thing, like, we very much, like, while, like, while we very, we will very, like, if you hear someone 
um, who claims to be Adventist, saying, we know when Jesus is going to come. Write them off. The church absolutely opposes that. Like, we very clearly, <laughs> um, like, no, no one knows. But we do believe, right? So it's in our name, right? Seventh-day Adventist. The Adventist mm-hmm. part is that we do believe we're living in the end times. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, that belief kind of propels us to be evangelistic, right? So we're very much want to reach our communities, right? So it's kind of like, Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, but it's like, if you knew that um, there's a bomb in the basement of your neighbor's house, right? Are you going to respect decorum and like, or are you going to barge in there and be like, hey, get out, right? You're going to die, right? Like it's urgent. And so because we believe Jesus is coming, like, we we are we're evangelistic. We want to share um, that that news that Christ is coming, right? To mm-hmm. have your heart right with Him, and so I think that kind of affects the fact that like it's like it's a it's an underlying mission mm-hmm. in life is to have as many people ready for Christ coming as possible. Um, and while we don't know the day or the hour, mm-hmm. like like we see in in the Bible, right? Matthew twenty four, um, in, in Revelation and Daniel, mm-hmm. right? We see we can see the certain signs that are happening that tell us that it's coming, that it's soon. Mm-hmm. But we, like I said, anyone who tells you they know the day or the hour, turn away, right? Don't follow that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no Harold camping. <laughs> <laughs> now, what does that look like? Because I know, you know, we've had like a Mormon on the show before and they, you know, go out in the field and like they do like a mission and they like go door to door during that time I know back when I was Jehovah's Witness thank goodness I'm not anymore praise Jesus for that but every Saturday morning every vacation every everything we would be out there rain shine any other thing like we were postmen or something um knocking on people's doors what does that look like evangelizing for you and your faith yeah so uh, first of all I just want to say like while I have, you know, obviously serious theological disagreements with them, one thing I've mm-hmm. always respected about Mormons is they're very persistent and they're mm-hmm. very dedicated to, to mission. And I, mm-hmm. I love that. Um, but uh, no, so we don't have anything. So it, there's no requirement in Adventism that you have to do mm-hmm. anything like that. But it is encouraged, right? So we have something it's called Literature Evangelism, LE. Um, mm-hmm. And like I did that uh, when I was... It was before my junior year, the summer before my junior year of high school. And it's something that we have. It's generally for our young people, but older people can do it as well. And they'll have a summer, we call it canvassing Mm -hmm. program. And so they'll come and they'll sell Christian literature door to door. Then they'll have cards generally that have Ask for Bible tracts. And so they'll just go door to door, generally in the major cities, Mm -hmm. um, trying to reach people that way. Um, And literally every year, thousands of people come to the Lord, um, through that, through that work. And so that's one thing that we do. We mm-hmm. sponsor a lot of foreign missions. Um, and then I don't know if you've ever heard of ADRA. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's kind of, it's a, it's one of our more professional, um, nonprofit, uh, it's like our version of the Red Cross. Oh, okay. and so, so whenever there's a hurricane somewhere or war or anything like that, um, ADRA, it's called Adventist Development. Adventist Disaster Relief Agency, I think. Yeah. That I anyway. mean, that seems like something it would stand for. Yeah. <laughs> like, but um, and so whenever there's like some sort of major disaster, <laughs> they are involved trying to get resources, trying to help save people, whatever they can do. Um, so 
that's all kind of baked into our worldview is we want to be right. Like, so in other words, and this kind of goes into a kind of conversation we had a little bit um, privately about like Mm -hmm. Christian nationalism. It's why, so Adventists, we're not going to be Christian nationalists in the sense that, because we like, while we believe, you know, that citizens should fight for what they believe in all these Mm -hmm. things. We ultimately don't believe that Christ's kingdom is going to be like, Christ's kingdom can be established in our hearts and we can reach people that way. Mm-hmm. But we don't believe that the world is going to be like, America's not going to be God's land, right? Jesus is going to come and this is all going to burn, right? So we got to be saving oh, wait, souls. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling me that Jesus isn't going to come down and hang out in the Oval Office. Is that what I'm hearing? Somebody's going to come and pretend to be Christ, but it ain't going to be Jesus. <laughs> right? What does Christ say? is like, if they say that he's in the marketplace, don't, uh, I might be butchering the quote, but don't go after them, right? Don't go. It's not Jesus. So, but so that's why we just believe in being the hands of feet in Jesus mm-hmm. in a world in like enemy occupied territory, right? So in other mm-hmm. words, we're trying to win people, ultimately their souls. Um, and like I said, that doesn't like, Anyone who knows, who follows me on Twitter knows, like, I care about political issues, mm-hmm. but I believe, believe that there's, my mission is ultimately grounded in the fact that I love America, but America's going to burn, right? And so I just don't want, like, people to burn. So that's, that's my, that's kind of how Adventism affects that anyway. Okay, that makes sense. Um, how do you feel about Christian globalism? Because we have some in the chat saying that they're Christian globalists. In what, in, I guess I would need you to explain. What do they mean by that? Jess, what do you mean by that? We'll get back to that one in a second. Um. <laughs> if, they, if by that they mean that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, right, and God is ultimately sovereign over everything, mm-hmm. I totally would agree. Now, if it, if it would mean that, that humans, in the name of Christ, should um, enforce Christianity, no, like I wouldn't agree with that. But no, Christ ultimately is sovereign, right? And mm-hmm. he's the savior of all. Yes, Lord of Lord, King of Kings. Now, ah, that everyone across the globe should be a Christian. Yes. Well, yeah, I agree that everyone should. Um, but I don't agree with methods to to make them that way, if that makes sense. But yeah, of course, Jesus is Lord of all. And ultimately, right, everyone is going to bow. Every knee is going to bow. Um, even the lost, right? They're going to recognize mm-hmm. that Christ, God was just. But whenever, when an earthly government starts talking about, um, like, let, let's just like, and this is just a historical example, but mm-hmm. one of the things that I think is one of the greatest travesties. So the, the view that predominated for a while, right? When like, so Constantine, right? He converts and then he baptizes his entire army. To me, that's not true Christianity, right? Because, getting baptized because your king tells you to that's not that's not a heartfelt conversion to christ and so that's that's just what i would say is i'm a christian globalist in that i know i know how the story ends and Mm -hmm. i know what will ultimately make everyone happy but to quote uh to quote roger williams of the rhode island colony forced worship stinks in god's nostrils one of my babysitters growing up was actually the great ten seven granddaughter of Roger Williams. That's awesome. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's one of my favorite Ameri- early Americans. 
Um, Nanasi says, God does not force his way into our lives. He gently invites each of us. I have been called to be a seed planter. I plant the seeds and God takes over from there. And that is, yeah, that is such an important and beautiful attitude to have. Now, how does your religious background influence you when it comes to dating and marriage? Are there specific beliefs or rules that you must follow when it comes to dating? And what do you look for in a woman? That last part of that was one of the questions that was DM'd to me. Oh, okay. Um, so, no, no. I mean, it's, I don't know that there's anything that would be Adventist specific mm-hmm. other than, yeah, no, I, I mean, I personally, um, when I would, when I would get married, I would want to marry someone who obviously we're going to be on the same page about religion because mm-hmm. it's the most fundamental thing. You have to raise kids to believe something. I mm-hmm. just, I'm not saying, like, I've seen marriages work, right, of people of different denominations. So I'm not saying it can't happen. But I do think it's a, it can be an added complexity. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I would just say the general things that most Christians would say, right, look for modesty, right, look for, you know, you want, the, like, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that Adventism specifically has affected me in that way, if that makes sense. That does make sense. Other than just looking within my church for someone. Yeah. Now, is there anything else that you wanted to cover before we got into the Twitter section? Um, so I think we, I, I'm glad that we got the common misconceptions because that was mm-hmm. one of the major things I wanted to, I wanted to talk about. But yeah, no, mm-hmm. any, I'm open to any, any questions, anything. Everybody make sure in chat that if you have any questions for our wonderful guest, Joey, that you put those in chat. Um, but we will be heading on over to our rumble section after Joey leads us in a closing prayer for this section. Dear Heavenly Father, um, Lord, uh, thank you so much for all your many blessings. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you for the technology that we have that allows us to have podcasts like Frida's, right? Where we can talk about our faith, right? We can talk about how wonderful you are, how good you are, how you um, impact our lives. And Lord, just be with everyone listening um, and help this conversation to be edifying to them. And Lord, ultimately help us all to be ready for your soon coming um, and help us to uh, be good examples of you in all the interactions that we have. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you for that beautiful prayer. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, kindly do me a favor and leave me a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. My podcast is available wherever you can listen, and it's also available live on Rumble on Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern. I hope you can join us in whatever format works best for you. Please tell somebody that you care about about this episode so that I can spread my work and encourage more people. And remember, stay based and stay blessed.